Welcome to the Idea Pod, a podcast dedicated to exploring and interrogating professional biomedical and applied ethics here at the University of Leeds. For any new listeners, I am Gabby, a postgraduate researcher at the Idea Center and your host today. In this episode, we will explore what is integrity and why it is important for businesses to integrate and understand this slippery slope concept, considering the pressing state of affairs in our society. To discuss this, I have two experts joining me today, Dr. Jim Baxter from our very own Idea Center. He's a professional ethics consultancy team leader and he's also a philosopher and ethicist engaging with organizations outside the university as part of the Idea Center's consultancy training and applied research portfolio. Welcome, Jim. Uh, thanks, Gabby. Thanks for having me along. And our guest today is Tracy Groves. She's a founder and director of Intelligent Ethics. Her work involves advising and equipping leaders to unlock sustainable performance, innovation and transformational growth by embracing ethical values and human-centered leadership. She's also a visiting fellow here at the Idea Center since 2017. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, Gabby. Fabulous to be here with you both. Excellent. Thank you for being here today. So to start this discussion, I would like to first ask you, Jim, what got you interested in integrity in the first place in your own professional experience? Is this something that is prominent? How did you get there? Uh, thanks. Okay, so in my work, I work with um, businesses and professionals and particularly professional bodies in a variety of sectors. Uh, working on ethics research and consultancy activities and uh, and professional training and uh, integrity is something that comes up quite a lot so when you're doing work with professionals on for example embedding their code of ethics or up with an organization on thinking about what should be in their code of ethics and what their values should be um, integrity is just almost always there front and center it's very often the first value that an organization will have in its list of values, what it thinks its values are. Um, so it's something that people obviously think is very important. But when you actually come to think about what it actually means, um, I think people have uh, less clear ideas, really. Um, so often when you look at codes of ethics that um, organizations, either businesses or professional bodies have, um, they'll often be a bit vague in terms of you know how they how they actually define integrity they might define it in terms of other ethical values so they'll say something like um our employees uh work with the utmost integrity they are honest in everything they do and they treat other people fairly and with respect and so on so what they're doing is they're saying well what it is to have integrity is to be honest to treat people fairly to treat people with respect so they're just bringing in a load of other ethical values and defining integrity in terms of those. So it kind of started me thinking, well, if that's what integrity is and, you know, different organizations will say different, different things. Um, if, if that's what organizations are doing when they try to define integrity, you know, is there really any value in having uh, a concept of integrity at all in the first place. I mean, if integrity is just honesty 
fairness and respect or, or some other combination of ethical values, why not just use those values in the first place? At least then it's clear what we're talking about. You know, we broadly know what we're talking about when we talk about honesty, for example. Um, so is there really any point in talking about integrity? Um, you know, another thought about integrity is maybe it just means acting ethically. Um, I think that's often what people have in mind when they, they think about integrity. They just mean, you know, someone with integrity is just someone who does the right thing. And in that case, well, again, why talk about integrity? Why not just talk about ethical action or behavior or conduct? Um, and uh, in 2012, um, uh, an opportunity came along for us to do some research for the Institution of Chartered Accountants in England and Wales, the ICAEW, um, where we could actually, you know, try and get to grips with that question. Um, but more than that, they were interested in not just what integrity is. Um, so again, you know, like a lot of other organisations, they have integrity as one of their fundamental values. And they were interested in thinking a bit more clearly about what it means. But they were also interested in how organisations can actually go about getting integrity. So this was something that they'd uh, heard from some of their member organisations when they'd done some kind of tentative stuff on um, on integrity. Uh, one of the um, responses that they were getting back is, OK, well, how do we go about promoting integrity? How do we go about encouraging integrity in our employees? Uh, and so they wanted us to to answer that question as well. So we did um, uh, a piece of research that combined uh, some philosophical desk research on the meaning of integrity with some more empirical work on um, organisations and integrity, you know, whether people thought their organisation had integrity and if they did, what was it about their organisation that made them think it had integrity and what was it that their organisation was doing to um, bring that about, you know, what kinds of activities, what methods and techniques were in use in their organisation that were making it the kind of place where, um, you know, people with integrity do well and where integrity flourishes. So we did um, uh, we did an online survey. So we did some quantitative work. We sent a survey out and got um, around 150 responses back um, where we were asking these kind of questions that gave us some broad insights. And then we followed that up with some one-to-one -one semi-structured interviews, which I did almost all of. I think we did 94 interviews and I think I did 82 of them or something like that. Um, and so I was going into these businesses um, and talking to a little cross-section of their employees. We were talking to uh, you know, senior people, junior people, people in different functions, um, people who'd been with the organization for a long time and some who'd only just joined uh, and asking them these kind of in-depth questions, which is really interesting um, process and something, you know, that I found really rewarding and and, uh, and changed my views. Um, well, yeah, it gave me a, a, a more developed um, set of thoughts about what integrity is and, and how organisations can can encourage and promote it. 
It's very interesting. And knowing that is such a buzzword for institutions, I think it would be quite interesting, considering the research um, you've put into this topic, um, if you could perhaps venture to tell us what you think integrity is or how it could be defined so we have a grasp of the elements that actually constitute integrity. Yeah, so there are there has been some philosophical thinking on this, right? So there have been some philosophers who've who've given some thought to to this question of what integrity is. Um and there are a few strands in that thinking that we kind of drew together in the research. Um so one of them, and I suppose it's perhaps the most intuitive or, or obvious um element of, of what integrity might be is around kind of a consistent behavior. So consistent uh, speech and behavior, consistency of word and deed. So not saying one thing and doing another, basically, or not acting in inconsistent ways, uh, acting in a way that, you know, people know what to expect from you and so on. So that's I suppose that's probably what a lot of us have in mind when we think about integrity. Um, but then, of course, you can question, well, is it just any kind of consistency? That, um, that that is, that constitutes integrity. So what if somebody's consistently selfish um, or consistently vicious or consistently cruel? Does that uh, somebody in that kind of with that kind of personality, can they be said to have integrity? Um, so actually speaking to people, it seemed like people's intuitions were a bit split about this. Um, and some people thought, well, yeah, just, you know, it, it, so long as people are consistent, but so long as they sort of have this wholeness of character where they, um, their actions and words are directed in a particular way, it doesn't matter, you know, where they're directed and it doesn't matter uh, whether they're directed at good things or not, um, it's still integrity. Whereas other people, you know, were a bit reluctant to call that integrity and thought actually integrity um, requires something a bit more. So, um, I think probably uh, a, a slim majority, at least, thought that uh, integrity is not just consistent behaviour, but it's consistent behaviour on the basis of at least recognisably ethical values. So if someone is just always selfish and you can always rely on them to be selfish is not integrity. But then, of course, again, is it just any ethical values that can be the basis for integrity or are some ethical values you know, what if they're bad values? What if they're values that people think of as being ethical, but actually when we look at them, we don't think they are ethical. So you might think of, you know, someone who um, is a committed Nazi or a committed um, a terrorist or something. Can people like that have integrity? Um, well, you know, I'm going to leave that unresolved, really, because I think it's a, it's a difficult question. I mean, my own intuition is that actually, yes, I think probably someone who has um, ethical values that we wouldn't necessarily agree with can still be said to have integrity. So I think we need to be able to say, I don't agree with what you're doing. I don't agree with the, the values that you espouse, but I can see that you have integrity, right? So I think that that has to be something that, that we're able to say. So I don't think we need to be able to approve of someone's values to say they have integrity. So anyway, it's consistent behavior on the, the basis of ethical values. The, but there's also there's a, a, a strand of thinking about integrity, which emphasizes the importance to personal identity. Uh, so that's something that you find in Bernard Williams, for example, where he talks about um, the 
what he sees as a conflict between um, the demands of impersonal moral systems like utilitarianism and Kantianism and personal integrity. So he thinks that personal integrity kind of involves having your own projects and your own priorities and that insofar as a moral system um, uh, prevents you from doing that, it's interfering with your with your identity. But there's also a really interesting paper by Lynn McFall where she talks about um, how we have kind of fundamental moral commitments that we think make up part of our identity. And if we betray those commitments, we're kind of um, betraying ourselves in a in a fundamental way. Uh, so she talks about friendship, for example. So if you think that, you know, being a good friend is just a kind of fundamental part of your identity, it's part of who you are, it's part of what makes you who you are. And then you betray a friend or in some way, you know, prove yourself not to be a good friend, then you lose a sense of self in some way. And and that kind of speaks to the way that some of these moral commitments are, you know, that they, they define who we are in a way that other moral commitments might not. And it's those moral commitments that McFall thinks are, are part of integrity. Um, but then there's also, so, so far, what I've been saying is is a bit kind of inward looking. It's a bit sort of, you know, it's a bit uh, personal and you might think it's a, almost um, uh, making a fetish of your own moral commitments. And actually what matters is um, your ability to uh, influence uh, the culture around you. Um, and there's, a, there's another strand of thinking about integrity, which emphasizes the idea of standing for something. Um, and there's a really good paper about this by Cheshire Calhoun talking about um, integrity as a social virtue. So what this says is, um, you know, what's valuable about integrity is not just kind of internal consistency and not acting against our own moral commitments, but it's the ability of somebody, um, you know, who who stands up for what they say see as important moral principles and values in a community of people who are making decisions about what to do. So having integrity is not just um, being committed to certain values and principles, but it's demonstrating your commitment to those values and principles in a way that can have an, a, a broader influence. I think that that does capture something quite important about what we think is important about people with integrity. And I think it's particularly relevant in things like professions and in businesses as well. You know, when you see a leader who you think of as having really strong integrity, it's often that they've kind of publicly taken a stand on uh, in defense of, um, you know, certain ways of doing things, perhaps by refusing to act in a certain way, even though it might be kind of in their, their uh, narrowly construed self-interest to do so, for example. Um, so I think, yeah, so there are these several strands. We thought that, I mean, I thought really when, when looking at these um, these different philosophical approaches that probably most of these aren't incompatible with each other and it's more highlighting um, particular elements of the concept of integrity um, which have value in, in, uh, in different ways. So we, we ended up with a kind of composite account of integrity that tried to capture the, the most important insights from these different um, traditions, really. So that it's consistent behavior, but it's on the, on the basis of 
um, strong ethical values, but it's also partly valuable because you can stand up in a community of decision makers and 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 represent those values in a way that that can have a, a broader influence. Um, but there is also one other thing that I think um, is uh, well kind of illustrates a particular aspect of integrity, which uh, isn't found in the philosophical writings that I've seen. Um, and it's just the thought of being motivated by the central values of a particular domain. So it's interesting to me that we often talk about someone having integrity within a particular domain. So we talk about someone who has artistic integrity, or we might talk about someone who has moral integrity or professional integrity. And I think what we're doing there is we're saying, this is somebody who's motivated by the central values of that domain. Uh, even when it's at the expense of being motivated by other values, which might be, you know, objectively equally important. But when we say someone has a particular kind of integrity, we're just we're drawing attention to the fact that they are motivated by values within that domain. So I think artistic integrity is particularly illustrative there. So you can imagine someone, an artist who, you know, everything they do is kind of, directed towards producing really great art and uh, you know perhaps we can imagine that other areas of their life are being neglected and perhaps they don't treat people particularly well right um but they're but they're sacrificing those other areas of their life in order to serve the values of this particular domain that they've just made a decision is more important than, than anything else and i think in that kind of situation you you know if you think of integrity as being wholeness well you think you would think well the fact that they're um acting consistently in one domain but not in another would mitigate against, against calling them you know someone with integrity but uh, i think there is a sense in which someone can just be said to have artistic integrity or conversely they might have moral integrity but not some other kind of integrity um, so i think there's a sense in which it's just um we think of integrity as being motivation by the values, the central values of a particular domain of activity. Great, that, that is actually quite thorough and very interesting. So considering these theoretical distinctions that um, Jim mentioned and the conceptual nuances that we were able to um, visualize, it would be interesting to now contrast that with what happens in practice. So, Tracy, I would like to turn to you now and ask you about um, your first-hand experience working with companies. Do you think that, is there any connection with these distinctions? Can we see them in the expectations uh, of companies? So, what is it that companies are looking for when it comes to integrity and has this changed over time? Thank you, Gabby. And and yes, I'm going to come at it from a, a very different perspective from Jim. But actually, there's so many crossovers and synergies with, with what Jim is coming at from, from a business and commercial perspective. And, and to 
go straight to the heart of your question. What are the companies looking for with regards to integrity? It's very hard to generalise, obviously, because we're looking at organisations of all different shapes and sizes, different types of organisations, setups, sectors, industries, and the environment within which they're operating. So forgive me if I'm going to give you a more of an overview and, and, and generic feel for, for what it looks and sounds like in the business world. Over the years, and I've been doing work with corporate integrity and business ethics now for about 20 or so years out of my 30-year career. And I would say it's moved significantly away from where it started, which was a real focus on controls. So this was around risk management, around compliance with regulation, legislation, governance guidelines, you can imagine, very rule-centred, very rules-based. And over the years, there's there's been a recognition and a realisation that actually when we refer to integrity, not only are we looking for a congruence to build on the consistency theme that Jim referred to, not only are we looking for a congruence in terms of being able to adhere to those rules and those procedures which we put in place, but most importantly, thinking about how the impact of those is going to have a positive impact on society and us within the organisation as well as human beings. So it's matured and evolved into something much more human centric, if I call it that. So integrity now is not just about doing what you say. Ultimately, we're also looking to explore and understand what's the impact of that and how is it making people feel? Um, and again, the focus is being not just on our people internally, so thinking about employees uh, and leaders themselves, obviously, but also the wider stakeholder group as well. So customers, suppliers, shareholders, investors, um, wider society. And and we're seeing this big shift towards now, and we're it's, it's, we've got another three-letter acronym which is hitting the press at the moment very positively and, and great popularity, ESG, environmental, social, and governance issues. So integrity is is a red thread that runs through. What are we doing as an organisation to think about our impact on the climate and the world within which we live? That's the environmental piece. The social piece is looking at what about the impact on our employees' well-being? Do they feel not only physically safe, but do they feel psychologically safe within the workplace? So can they speak up? Can they challenge? Can they question what's happening or what's not happening, as the case may be? So this ability, this focus on the social piece now is much more about the impact on our well-being and this the social health of an organisation, which extends not just with within the walls, but outside the walls into wider society as well. And then the governance piece is around our ability to be transparent and to be able to articulate how we are applying those ethical values within our business decision making. So what does that look like, therefore, in terms of um, diversity within the workplace and in particular within leadership teams? And we see a lot of emphasis on diversity in its broader sense now within executive decision making and are we being honest and open about the decisions that we're making and the impact that we're having so 
that's that's the, the this journey that we've been on and there's much more now emphasis on around how we can perform as organizations not just from a financial perspective but also thinking about thriving and surviving beyond the short term into the long-term sustainability not only for the business itself but others around us so it's been fascinating to watch moving from this rules base to much more around the behavior the values the the well-being space but ultimately really thinking about this as a differentiator within the business world because actually you're only going to survive and thrive in the longer term and attract the best talent if you can show this consistency and this ability to not just say and do the right thing with regards to applying your values but also thinking about the consequences of that as well. And Tracy considering uh, you know that the the changing focus. Um, so now you're talking about impact, transparency, and diversity. Um, what does it look like then when an organization loses integrity? What what kind of effect does it have on the business? How can we see this now? It's, it's such a great question, Gabby, because we quite often focus on all these things that we aspire to, <laughs> and we lose sight of the impact of, of what I would call some of these near misses, when we don't quite get it right. And when we don't quite get it right, it can very, very quickly escalate. It can really spread. And the kind of things I'm talking about is, for example, I don't trust the company to be able to listen to any concerns that I might have. So you may feel that there's some inappropriate conduct or some behaviour taking place, either with your work colleagues or with one of the suppliers or agents that you're working with. And you feel that if you were to say something and to speak up about it, either you would be fearful for the consequences of that, but what happened to me, would there be some form of retribution? Or you wouldn't even bother speaking up because you would know you wouldn't be listened to. So the futility of it overrides your decision making, your ability to act with integrity, therefore, and speak up. So a lack of trustworthiness, not only in terms of the organisational policies and procedures, but how the leadership will respond to that is very symptomatic of the organisation losing sight of what it stands for. And we, we haven't mentioned the word purpose as yet. And, and again, this is very much linked to activating purpose or so our ability to execute our integrity through the decisions that we make and, and why we exist as a company. And when we lose integrity, we lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just what it is that we do as a, as a company, what widgets we make, what customers we serve, what products that we sell. It's much more about in order to achieve what, what will be the legacy, who will benefit from what we are doing and how will that ensure that all of us can participate and thrive in that environment. So a lack of integrity becomes a, a quite uneasy climate, if I can call it that. It becomes quite silent. Nobody questions or speakings up. Um, it also suppresses innovation. So just, just as I wouldn't voice concerns, I also wouldn't share ideas. I also wouldn't be creative and think about potentially taking some risks um, because if I were to get it wrong and to fail, the repercussions would be huge. So the fear of failure and the lack of forgiveness in that kind of climate means that people won't come up with good ideas. And it feels unsafe. There's a level of uncertainty. And, you know, my experience tells me there's a lot of 
mutterings going on, if I can call it that. So a bit of gossip, lots of stories, lots of myths, many of which may be unfounded, but they become the corporate uh, hamster wheel, shall I call it that. It becomes the way that we do things around here. And, and the disappointment in that is that effectively, going back to my point around purpose, we lose sight of why we're here and why we're in business and what role we have to play, not just in order to be commercial, but more importantly, thinking about our role in the bigger sense in society as well. Great. And so I see that you're talking about innovation, forgiveness, uh, you know, this feeling of safety, all aligned with this concept of purpose, the purpose of what, why are we doing what we're doing? Yeah. So considering that, what are the most important things you think leaders should be doing in order to promote integrity in their organization, considering these uh, factors that you just mentioned? Well, number one has to be the ability to role model, <laughs> um, the ability to not only set the standards through what you say, but then execute them through your behaviours. So that tone from the top, actually you living and breathing it as leaders and taking accountability for it as well. Um, and this isn't easy to do. I, I think very much sometimes we lose sight of the challenge. You know, as human beings, we, we have our inherent flaws. Uh, we seek to protect ourselves. We have, you know, overriding concerns about not losing face and wanting to feel valued and wanted and needed. But actually from leaders, we've got to admit to ourselves that we may not know all the answers. So leaders now are having to, in order to be really effective, they're having to be much more curious and, and, to, and to be humble in terms of not only what they do, but how they do it. And especially if I think about recent times, if I think back to this very uncertain and volatile period we've been in the last 12 to 15 months with the global pandemic, we've seen a real shift towards leaders knowing all the answers because we've never lived through something like this before to leaders being much more active in their ability to listen, uh, to, you know, to be curious, to speak to their employees, to their customers, to reach out and to question what not only could we be doing, but what should we be doing? Um, and that's so refreshing to see this. And it requires a level of vulnerability that historically or traditionally, shall I say, from leaders we've not seen. We've always looked at leaders as experts, as knowing what to do and, and how to how to get us there. But actually what we're looking for is a far more collaborative and consultative way. We still need direction. We still need clarity. But the level of humility and empathy that goes with that, I think, is now very different and, and, and actually moving us towards a, potentially a, a new leadership framework in the future world. Powerful words right there. And uh, well, considering this, so considering uh, the need for collaboration, for empathy, for humility, as Tracy just told us, um, and considering as well that um, the team here at IDEA offers a service um, to businesses, consultancies on, on these matters, um, what exactly can a philosophical perspective offer to them? In other words, why should businesses talk to philosophers about issues like integrity? Uh, Jim, could you tell us something about this? Sure. Well, I mean, there's one thing that philosophers like doing and, you know, hopefully quite good at. It's making clear distinctions and thinking about concepts in a clear way. And I think 
Um, integrity is an example of that. Um, so I think one thing that businesses can get out of talking to philosophers about integrity is just getting really clear about what they mean by integrity and therefore focusing on the right things. So if you just think of integrity in terms of general ethical conduct or honesty or something like that, well, it, it can be quite difficult to know where to start in terms of trying to promote it. Uh, but if you're really clear about what you think this thing of in integrity is in the first place, then you can uh, you can get to grips with it and you can start to actually make practical changes within an organisation to try and uh, promote and encourage it better. Uh, and, uh, you know, our research um, provides an empirical basis on which to to do that. Uh, and it's, in, you know, it's informed by quite a lot of research. So uh, we think it uh, it reflects something that's that's fundamentally real. Um, I think another thing that businesses can get from talking to uh, philosophers, uh, and this is true in general, but I think it's true of integrity in, in particular as well, is uh, just about challenging assumptions um, and asking deeper questions, which might not occur to you as a business leader. Um, so, um, you know, uh, just kind of thinking a bit more deeply about um, what your organization is trying to do. As, as Tracy was saying, you know, the purpose of a, an organization is a really important element of, of this work. And I think what one of the things that philosophers can do is, is challenge uh, business leaders to think about, as Tracy was saying again, you know, why are we doing these things? Is it just because it's, this is the way we do things around here? Or is there a uh, a deeper um, purpose to what we're, what we're trying to do. Uh, and generally there will be, but it might be something that's unexamined. And one thing that philosophers can do is bring, a, bring out unexamined uh, assumptions in a way which is hopefully quite fruitful and productive. Um, and um, yeah, so yeah, that's it really. I think, yeah, that, that whole idea of organisational purpose, I think is, is quite important because it relates to integrity in, in various um, important ways. Um, so if integrity is consistent action on the basis of ethical values, or what are those values? You know, what should the fundamental values of the business be? And how do we ensure that we are acting consistently with them? If you're a leader in an organisation, uh, which values should you be standing for? Um, you know, and how do you do that? How do you do that in a way which influences the broader culture of your organisation? So I think there are lots of insights from from philosophy which can be of, of use to business leaders. So you mentioned um, values, and I think that's quite interesting because we we always tend to see uh, businesses trying to have this code of ethics or uh, aligning values, but then what does that mean? Right. So perhaps having that um, my clearer distinctions or uh, answering deeper questions or challenging assumptions that a lot of people might have, um, despite the best intentions, that could be uh, one of the benefits. So Tracy, what is your perspective about this? How can you see businesses benefiting from this input and this collaboration um, with philosophical perspectives? Well, Gabby, I can I can honestly answer that using my own personal experience, actually, of working with Jim at the team at the Idea Centre, and and here I am after all my years of business um, and working within the the corporate governance space, and I've learned hugely from working with the Idea Centre just from the way that we debate and the way that we question and challenge each other's assumptions um, in a way that I wouldn't do in a business world. Um, so. 
it's that having that intelligent, informed dialogue and questioning without hidden agendas, without any you know reference to and thinking about um, this from a profitability perspective, but it's more going to the core of why we're doing it. Um, and so I've personally learned so much more about the ability to stand back, <laughs> to reflect, which when you're in business, when you are when you're in the thick of it, in that operational detail, you can get blinded. So when you ask me this question, I instinctively go to the number of blind spots, which we all have inherently, because we are so deeply immersed in the day to day things that take place, uh, and the way that we've always done things. And what idea and Jim and, and the team do is offer a very refreshing, but constructive way of examining that so that you begin to look at things differently. You may end up in the same place. I'm not disputing that. But the way you go about it and the rigor and the robustness and within which you've challenged yourself is very different. And that has got to be worthy and it's got to be a valuable thing in which we all go through. Fascinating. Um, sadly, we are now reaching the end of this episode. I am sure we could keep talking about this and the many ramifications and experiences related to integrity. But to close up, I would like to um, finish asking you both, Tracy and Jim, if you could give us some final advice. So what are the most important guidelines for businesses concerning integrity, in your opinion? Uh, uh, shall I go first? Um, I, I would say one of those is um, so there can be a way of thinking about integrity where you just think of it about as about being consistent. Uh, and then if you apply that to an organization, you think, well, what integrity is, is kind of uniformity of thought. So you want everybody in the organization um, pulling in the same direction, saying the same things, and then we'll have integrity. But actually, part of what integrity is about is owning up to mistakes. Uh, and it's listening to dissenting voices and criticism, constructive criticism, uh, when it comes from within the organisation. So actually what leaders need to be doing, or one of the things that leaders need to be doing, is promoting an open culture within organisations where people can say things, even if they're uncomfortable or perhaps unwelcome, um, they can say things and they know they'll be listened to. Um, and uh, their concerns, for example, will be will be acted on. So it it's not just about consistency. If you think consistency is everybody thinking the same thing, it's about valuing um, uh, people who who might not be thinking the same thing that you're thinking, uh, and 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 taking lessons from that. That would be one thing that I would say. I couldn't have put that better myself, Jim. I think that's a brilliant response, and. Um, just to build on that, I suppose, is my final point, which would be it's never over. <laughs> so, you know, this is constant. It's uh, an evolving, constantly shifting environment within which we're operating. And and I think this dynamic is unsettling for some within business. We want to see it having a finite start date and end date. And Tracy, give me milestones and give me project timelines. And then by the 31st of October, whatever year, we'll all have integrity. And that will be it. <laughs> and it's nowhere near as binary or as transactional as that. Um, it's so transformational when you are able to hardwire this into the mindsets and the beliefs of all of the people that you touch by doing business with and, and with whom, um, the impact and the power of which is is huge. And, and it requires work. It requires real effort all of the time. So 
my my takeaway is don't underestimate the amount of hard work it is but it's absolutely essential work it's just as important as making sure you get your products delivered on time you look after your you know all these things which we've talked about it's absolutely an imperative for business to take this seriously and those who do will find themselves at the forefront of what it takes to be a sustainable business and that's really the key thing to aim for so looking at the future, of course, this transformative uh, essence of integrity seems to be um, the thing to look out for. I would like to thank Tracy and Jim for joining me today and provide us with a great insight into integrity in the business world. Without a doubt, we can see the benefits of integrating ethics and philosophical thinking to solve issues like this and establish guidelines that can avoid the common ethical blind spots that Tracy highlighted. So thank you very much, Jim and Tracy. Thanks very much, Gabby. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you, Gabby. Brilliant. To our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And until next time. The IdeaPod is produced by the Interdisciplinary Ethics Applied Centre at the University of Leeds. Find out more at ahc.leeds.ac.uk slash ethics. Music composed and conducted by Josh Armitage. <laughs>